You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. If you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews or open your Bible app to Hebrews. Or if you memorize Hebrews, just turn your mind to that page and your memory. We'll begin reading about our Lord and Savior. When Jesus was here on the earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Jesus, our model. Many of us in this room, we call ourselves followers of Christ. So we want to follow this example. While Jesus was on the earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death, and God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who would obey him. This is our text for today. As we are studying, leaning into prayer, under the topic or the message series, if we will pray. And I want to ask you, what if Jesus hadn't prayed? Jesus on the earth crying out to God to rescue him from death. And because he prayed and God answered, verse 9 says, he's qualified as the high priest to be our source of salvation for any who follow God, who obey him, who put their faith in him. Jesus prayed. God answered him and sustained him. Jesus followed God in God's strength to death and became a high priest for us, became our salvation. I believe prayer matters, but I believe it matters because God hears it. And he's a God who can do something about it. And if Jesus, the son of God, in many moments of his life needed to cry out for help, then surely Mateo, that's my name in Spanish, surely El Pelon, that's my rap name in Spanish. Surely I need to cry out at times in my life. And we cry out. The world's just going to squeeze us enough that we go, oh, that hurts. And a noise is going to come out of us. But do we cry out to the one, to the one who can save us, to the one who can rescue us? The Bible encourages us to follow Christ's example. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, in front of God, as Jesus is crying out to the Lord, his words reach heaven. It reaches heavenly Father, and God is able to help him and rescue him. And the Bible says, come into the throne room of our gracious God, and there you will receive his mercy. And you will find help and grace when you need it most. Anybody need some grace? Three of you. I'd like everybody in the room to join around these three people. And me too. If you pray really good, come to me first. Oh, I feel the jokes today. There'll be one good one. I just got to throw about 10 out there to get to it. Anybody need grace and help? We need to cry out to the Lord. And when we do, we come into his presence. And he's the father on the throne, as we've talked about. We are studying this topic, If We Will Pray, and today our subject will be our daily bread. Our daily bread. I want to let you know that that means from the basic 
thing as just what you're going to eat to sustain your physical life. From the very basis of just if you had peanut butter toast for breakfast. All the way up to that Jesus is the bread of life. From that smallest thing, like that protein shake that you had this morning, or coffee and you put ice cream in it so that it would have more nutrients, calories. From that smallest thing is like that meal that you're going to have at lunch if Matt preaches short enough to actually get us out of here by lunch. From that smallest thing that we sometimes take for granted, it's just a meal. We forgot to eat. We just pulled through somewhere. The Lord wants us to ask him for that. All the way up to the most spiritual thing in our life that Jesus is the bread of life and that we need to take him into us that we could live. That whole range, the Lord wants you to bring it to him in prayer when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. But let's go back. When we started this, we started that prayer is a conversation. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of messages ago, we talked about how hard conversations are. It's hard to just find the time. It's hard to just find the place. And if you start talking, it's hard to be understood. It's hard to articulate what you really mean. And it's even harder to help that person understand what you really mean. But we've got to start somewhere. And the best place to start in conversating with God is calling him our father. And so we speak to him as a father. But then we also talked about that there are enemies to prayer and things that will distract us. And we also talked about that God's not just our father, but he's on the throne. He's a powerful, all-powerful God who can do something about what we're praying about. But it begins with conversation. Prayer, you could say, is just conversation with God. And we talked about last week that it's not just for the means of getting what we need from God, but it's firstly to know God, to be in relationship with Him. You may have a person in your life, they only call when they need something. That is the extent of your relationship. But what about the person they just call to check on you? You just call to check on them. They actually remember your birthday or close to it. That person that the conversation isn't always about what I can give, but I just want to know you. And the Lord wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. It's a conversation. And so before we get to the Lord's Prayer and our daily bread, I want to give us a few clues into this conversation. You're going to talk to somebody. I'm going to talk to somebody. And who that somebody is guides our life in a way that we need to be aware of. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make human beings in our image. Let them be like us. God, who is one God in three persons, and that's a mystery, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but he told his people the Lord is one, but he speaks to each of those persons in the beginning of time, let us make humans in our image to be like us. God wanted a conversation. He had a perfect conversation within the Godhead, within the Trinity, but love wants to grow. And so God created a people that he might know and love them. He said, they'll reign over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Genesis 1, 27, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, He created them, verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry 
on the ground. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit of the trees for your food. Then I'm going to skip down to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may eat freely of the fruit of every tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat its fruit, you'll surely die. In Genesis 3, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the animals the Lord God made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really tell you you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Until this point, Adam and Eve had been having a conversation with God and each other. And then in Genesis chapter 3, another conversation starts. And it starts with the enemy questioning who God is and what he said. And Eve begins the conversation, and I'm just going to skip a few verses. In verse 6, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, so she took some and she ate it. Somewhere between verse 1 and verse 3, somewhere between the enemy starting a conversation and Eve disobeying God and Adam disobeying God, there was a conversation that steered their life and the course of their life. In the conversation, doubt is cast on what the Lord has said. There are truths and false truths that have been told, half-truths. The devil mixes it up. But it says that when she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, then she ate it. And then Adam ate it. In verse 8, it says, The man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to them, where are you? And Adam said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I'm naked. And so I hid. In the beginning verses in chapter 1 of Genesis, there's a conversation with God. There's being. All the great philosophers have said, I am, I think, therefore I am. What's the purpose of life? All these questions that, that get down to the deepest, most meaningful Things that you could ask, who am I, do I exist, how do I know that I exist, all those things that I did not sign up for in college, no philosophy or classes like that, they make you think too hard. But he, God tells them in his conversation who they are, what their being means. He gives them identity and he gives them being. He also gives them blessing and instruction and purpose and authority and power over his creation. He also gives them provision by giving them what they can have to eat. He also gives them protection and instruction. Do this and don't do that. As the Father in heaven, he takes care of those he's in relationship with. In this conversation with God, there's nothing lacking. He's done it all. He's taken care of it. And they're conversating with God. They walk with him in the garden and they talk with him. And they have purpose in their life and meaning. And they have a perfect relationship with each other as well. No shame. When the Bible says they were naked and felt no shame, it's not about do we need to wear clothes or not. It's about there was no shame, no brokenness in relationships between God and man and man and man. Between Adam and his wife Eve and between God and his creation, there was no brokenness, no need for shame. But then this other conversation starts with the enemy and deception comes in, confusion comes in, manipulation comes in, half-truth, false truth, doubt And then fear and shame come in. And then loneliness and hiding, separation, mistrust. And now they're not only 
accusing to God and accusing to each other. There's blaming God. It's the woman that you gave me the reason I did this. And where there had been perfection, now there is all kinds of trouble. And I'm going to tell you, I think it started with a conversation. And then there's the conversation with self. There's the conversation that existed first with God, then with the enemy. And then there's this conversation with self. Somewhere Adam and Eve had to decide for themselves what they were going to do with the forbidden fruit. Were they going to break the rule of God? It says when Eve saw that the apple was good for food and for knowledge and for becoming wise, she ate it. The word saw there means to perceive or to look, to learn about, to observe, to consider, to give attention to, to discern or to distinguish or to gaze at. She didn't just see an apple and go, oh, I want to eat that. She rolled it over in her mind. Adam rolled it over in his mind. But now they don't just have the input of God's conversation. They have the input of the enemy's conversation. And doesn't their mind go in a different place when the enemy gets in there, at least in this story? And as much as we want to be mad at Adam and Eve for ruining everything, I mean, just imagine the Cowboys would have won every Super Bowl that ever existed. I told you only one would be funny. That wasn't that one. Too soon? Okay. The brokenness that we feel, the questions we have, the things we can't understand in life. Is God, if God is good, then why this? All of those things, and it came from a conversation. First with the enemy and then in their own minds. And they decided. I want to encourage us that prayer is this conversation with God that helps bring us back from how far we've fallen and how far the world has gone and how far we've strayed, even in our own minds. And it brings us back to the original conversation with the God who loves us. When we talk to God, he says things to us like this, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. He says things like, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Even when he corrects us, it's with this empowerment to change and to be different. We agree and we go, yes, I want to go the direction you're going. Have you ever experienced that? Those of you that follow the Lord, even when the Lord comes and he has all your dirty laundry on a list, it's not the same as when the enemy comes with that same list. Because when we talk with the enemy, it sounds more like deception. He's the father of lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Two very different conversations. You're, we're going to talk to somebody. Facebook proves that. Twitter proves that. When you see somebody and you speak, we have this longing for this relationship, for conversation. From the most introverted person to the most extroverted person, we all want to share and to be engaged to some level or not. And I want to encourage us that we need to watch our conversations, and they need to start in prayer. They need to start with God. His conversation with us will give us direction and give us purpose and give us protection. But there's a lot of other conversations that try to enter in. You're going to talk to the Lord, or you're going to talk to the devil, or at the very least, you're going to talk to yourself. And I know you're really smart and special and important, but you only know so much. You're going to be stuck with just your own wisdom if the conversation like Eve just stays in your own mind. We need to have prayer because in that conversation with God, 
we are going to be brought into the truth and the knowledge and the help and the understanding and all the things that we need. And those who talk to the Lord, they become much more aware of who God is and much more aware of who they are. That conversation can be transforming. I want to ask the question to myself and to you, who are we talking to? Who are we conversing with? Who do you talk to in the good times? And is that different than who you talk to in the bad times? Is there someone when the pressure gets real hard, that's when you call so-and-so? Or when there's a celebration, you call so-and-so? Maybe those are the same people. Maybe they're different. When it's a hard time, when there's confusion, when there's trouble, who do you call? And I want to say in all of these areas, we need to start first with God. The Bible says, pray without ceasing or talk to God always. David is a good example King David, who wrote most of the Psalms, he's a good example for us to study on how to maneuver these conversations, conversations with our own thoughts, with our own perspectives, conversations when we see, when we want to talk to God, but what we think about God isn't necessarily lining up with what we see on the earth. Let me just give you an example, see if this is helpful. In In Psalms chapter 10, David says this, verse 1, O Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? The wicked arrogantly hunt down the poor. Let them be caught in the evil they plan for others. They brag about their evil desires. They praise the greedy and they curse the Lord. David is speaking to God. We know that. It's in the Bible. It's a prayer. It's a psalm. He wrote a prayer to God and he begins it with his understanding, his vision, what's in his view of the world. God seems far off. He seems to be hiding even though the world's in trouble. The wicked seem to be prospering. They seem to be gaining even over the poor. He wishes they'd be caught in their own schemes instead of hurting others that they would be hurt. He looks at them and sees that they brag about what they do. They're not even hiding. And they seem to boast in their evilness and curse the Lord at the same time, and nothing seems to happen to them. I'm so glad our world's not anything like that today. How do we have a conversation with God when we... Here's here's what I'm trying to say. I don't even know. doesn't sound like I know what I'm trying to say. You can have the idea... Oh, Lord, you're good and greatly to be praised. That's the truth of Scripture. But it can conflict with what you're seeing in the earth. Lord, I know you're great, but why aren't you doing anything about this situation? That's what David does. He teaches us how to have the conversation even when things don't seem to be in our perspective lining up. He says to us, it's okay to take your request, even your complaints to God. But he starts off with, oh, Lord. He starts off with the proper respect of God. He doesn't go in there slamming the door and telling God he doesn't know what he's doing. He goes in there, Lord, and then basically says, I don't understand this. And he makes his request or his complaint to God. It's kind of like a legal system that should work right. You should be able to complain to a judge or a mayor or a governor or a president. You should have a way to speak to the person who's in charge and say, hey, you may not know about this, but this is going on. And in God's kingdom, the kingdom of justice and righteousness, there is a way. It's called prayer. David says, you look to be far away, Lord, 
when people need you close by. I seem to be in trouble. You seem to be doing nothing about it. And then he makes a statement. In this conversation with God, because we live in a broken world, we can bring the trouble that we see, the things we don't understand, we can bring them into the conversation. Many people are turned off from what they consider our faith and, and our following of God because they feel like we just say, oh, there's nothing wrong. Oh, give your life to Jesus and everything will be beautiful. It'll be roses. It'll be riding a white cloud to the finish line. Oh, angel wings, harp. And that doesn't make sense when they just bury their grandmother or their cousin won't come out of the coma or the child's gone and won't come home or the parents not parenting has lost their mind to alcohol or drugs or just abandoned them. How does it match up what David gives us a way to handle that? You speak to the Lord and you bring your cares to him. There will be trouble, Jesus said. David Wilkerson, the great pastor from Texas who also had a church at Times Square, he said, if you're experiencing confusion, pain, and suffering, it may be that God is working things out for you in his own way. It most often is that the sovereign work of God is unfolding a master plan that only he knows. David's like, Lord, I'm sure you have a plan. You're the king of kings and Lord of lords, but I can't see it. David Wilkerson also said this, faith is not to get you out of a hard place, but to change your heart while you're in the hard place. And watch what happens to David. This is what he says at the end of the psalm. But you see the trouble and the grief that they cause. Remember, he said, you're far off, and I don't even know if you're paying attention. You see the grief they cause, and you take note of it, and you punish them. The helpless put their trust in you, and you defend the orphans. Break the arms of the wicked, evil people. Go after them until the last one is destroyed. When he says break the arms, he's not asking God to come and just snap their arm. He says take their power away. They're using their, what they, the strength that they have to hurt people. And he's saying, Lord, stop it. And he's saying the Lord will stop it. He said the Lord is king forever. The, good, the godless nations will vanish from the land. So he is lining in this prayer and in this conversation, he's bringing his felt need and his felt experience into the truth of God that he can't yet see. And he's making them in the conversation. And by the spirit of God, God's helping him to get to a right understanding of what's going on. Lord, you seem far away, but I know you help the orphans. Lord, they seem to be prospering, but I know they won't last forever. You last forever and they will fade away. The Lord is king forever. The godless nations will disappear from the land. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear the cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed so that mere people can no longer terrify them. In this prayer, in this communication with God, David is honest about what he sees. He puts that under the Lord's sovereignty, and then he reminds himself of who God is. And in the conversation, he seems to go from hopeless to full of hope. From there's no, nothing going right to God is going to make everything right. Can you see that in that psalm? And there are so many psalms like that. David pours out his heart in trouble, but he always grounds it in the word of God. And he always comes to the conclusion that no matter how bad it looks right now, God is not far away. He is just, he will take care of me. The conversation with God is what helps David get to that place. And I want to encourage us that that's where we need to get. We need to have careful conversations with the Lord because we've seen what conversations with the enemy will do. When, if David would have stopped right here, 
and said, man, the Lord's so far away, and then talked to the enemy or to just a good neighbor trying to help him out. Yeah, I know you've been following God all this time. Sure doesn't look like it's going well for you. And then that stuff starts making sense in our mind, and it derails the truth of God. We need to talk to the Lord and conversate with him. And because of that, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And Jesus said this, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. We say it a little different, don't we? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, our trespasses, as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, or we say we forgive those who trespass against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you in these moments, help us by your Holy Spirit to understand your word. We ask you for the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. Eyes that see and ears to hear, the Lord God has made them. We ask for them today in Jesus' name. Amen. In this prayer, what we call the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, I want to look at verse 3 for today. Give us day by day, or give us this day, our daily bread. There's no need too small, from the piece of toast you had to the bread of life. In asking for our daily bread, Jesus wasn't saying repeat these words like a magic prayer or like saying a riddle or even a proverb. Each one of these lines is packed with eternal truth and knowledge. And so we always want to be leaning into them. What does it mean that God's a father? What does it mean that he's in heaven? What does it mean for his name to be hallowed? What does it mean for daily bread? I want to tell you these four things for sure. When you ask for daily bread, you're asking for provision. Physical, emotional, mental, relational, spiritual. You're asking for protection because he's God our Father. He's saying, give me what I need today. Protect. What a great prayer to pray over your family. You're asking for power and you're asking for his plans. Wrapped up in the idea of our daily bread is at least these four topics. You're asking for God's help in these areas. From the smallest plan to the largest plan. From the provision of having enough to get your groceries to the medical needs that you might be facing. So let's break this down in these minutes and then let's pray to end this service. Give us this day our daily bread. When we start with give us, we're recognizing God as our provider. His name is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. If you look in Genesis chapter 22... 12 through 14, Abraham is, has a son, Isaac, and he takes him. The Lord says, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And he takes him to, to offer him as a sacrifice. The Lord's testing him, will you keep anything from me? And Abraham ties him up, puts him on the altar, and is about to sacrifice him. And don't be confused. The Lord is not a God who asks for sacrifices of people or children. This was something in Abraham's faith growing as the father of our faith. So there's more to look into it for that. But what I want to point out to you today is that as he was preparing, the Lord said, stop, Abraham. I know your heart is fully committed to me. Take the ram that's caught there in the thicket and bring it. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. 
in our every need from the life of our children to just the next paycheck. His name is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. When we say give us, we're saying, God, I'm trusting that what I need comes from you. Instead of saying, I'll go get. Instead of looking at someone else and saying, you give me. Instead of saying, my boss is my provider. My dad is my provider. My spouse is my provider. The government is my provider. This business is my provider. The economy is my provider. Instead of saying any of those things, when we bow and say, Lord, Give us our daily bread. We're saying you are the source. This doesn't exclude us from working. We know the scripture says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. We know that we're supposed to provide for each other. We know we're supposed to share each other's burdens when someone's lacking. But we recognize first that God is the source. We can't sustain ourselves, although many people try. We need God to give us, and he's a good father. He wants to give. I've got that reference up there, Luke 11 13, Jesus said this, if a son asked for bread, would a father give him a stone? If he asked for a fish, would a father among you give him a, a snake? If he asked for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? No. He said, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you? And then Jesus takes it past food. He says he'll give you his Holy Spirit. He'll give you himself. We say, Father, give us our daily bread. And it goes all the way from eating to the presence of God in our life. But we recognize that it has to come from God. People will go to try to get their own. People will try to be their own God. But as a follower of Christ, we know that we bow and we say, give us, recognizing that God is the source. Anybody ever found God to be faithful? He's come through for you, provided when you didn't know how he would make a way. Oh, they write some good songs. He's the way maker, the miracle worker. Come on, get me excited. I'll sing it for you. I know you want to hear it. Wait, all right. Son. They got that other one. I hear them dry bones rattling. Makes armies out of dead bones. Makes highways out of oceans. I'm messing up all the words now. Don't worry. I, Elevation Worship's watching us. They're going to text me on the chat room thing and tell me I messed up all their lyrics. He's the provider. He makes a way even where there's no way. He, we ask him to give us. And we ask him to give us this day, this day. What you need today, God is going to provide for you. God wants to provide for you. In Exodus chapter 16, the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. God's provided miracles. He's led them from slavery to having all the riches of Egypt. He's led them across that highway of the sea that parted. And they wander in the desert and they're without food and they begin to complain. And the Lord says, I'm going to send bread from heaven. It's going to be called manna. And he tells them, tell the people, this is what you do. In the morning, the dew will dry and there'll be flakes of this thing you've never seen before called manna. And you pick it up and it'll be like bread to you and you can eat it and only get what your family needs for the day. I encourage you to read Exodus 16. And on Monday and Tuesday and all the days of the week, you go out and you get what you need. Don't save any. Don't get too much. Just get what you need and eat it. And you know what some of them did? It says in the Bible. They went and got a little extra and tried to save it for the next morning. When they opened the jar, it was stinky and full of maggots. Isn't it amazing? God provides bread, says do it this way, and somebody's got to test it. Don't save it for the morning. Oh, I'm going to see if it's going to work out. Oh, that we would mature past having to find out the hard way that God knows what he's talking about. 
Then he said, on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do any work. That's the day of rest. In six days, God made everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he gives the Sabbath to us as a gift to rest. And he says, on the Sabbath, don't go out. You get double on the day before the Sabbath. So God made the manna where it would rot any other day of the week. But the day before the Sabbath, you could get double and it would last for the Sabbath. And sure enough, some people came out of their tents on the Sabbath and went out to look for manna, but there wasn't any. And they found out that God knew what he was doing. He was providing even on the day of rest. And this tells us that day by day, God's going to give us what we need. I want to pray like this. Lord, give me all the money for this year. More faith. Lord, give me all the money for 10 years. That's a misuse of faith. I'm making a joke. Lord, give me all the strength, all the ability, all the blessings. I want to divide them out where I need. I want to move them to where the Lord says, no, you come out of your tent and I will provide that day what you need. Lord, give us day by day. Give us this day our daily bread. We have to trust the Lord that the strength is enough. This day, you don't eat everything you need for the week on Monday morning. Well, I'm just going to get all these meals over with. Just bring me 21 meals, and I'm just going to eat today so that I can do everything else during the week, and I don't have to stop and eat. No, nobody does that. I mean, we may eat too many meals in one day, but I'm saying we don't try to eat everything we need in one day. Physically, we don't do it, but spiritually, we try to get everything in that one Bible study or that one great message from God that came through the mouth of Matthew. And this one hour of the week is supposed to sustain us for the whole week. And we're finding out it just doesn't work. Number one, Matt doesn't have everything we need. And it doesn't all come from the mouth of God. It comes from the, uh, from the mouth of Matt. It comes from the mouth of God. But what I needed for Sunday, he gives me for Sunday. But what I need for Monday, I got to get up and get it from him on Monday. It's day by day. And that seems frustrating on some points, but it's hope for us. Because how many times have you felt like I cannot go another day? I've heard it this last two years. Oh, I just don't know. I can't live without him. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know about the money. I don't know whatever. And two years later, here you are. And one day later, there you are. And next week, there you are. Somehow the Lord provided day by day what we needed and we got to this day. Who was already supposed to be gone? Most of us. Who did the enemy have a plan against to take us out? Yet here we are because the Lord provided provision on that day and help on that day and plans on that day. Who wants all the plans right now? I do. Any young people in here think you'll get married one day when you'd like to know? Like, Lord, I want to know the guy, how many kids, what house. Just tell me now. You're seven. Tell me now. Wouldn't you like to know all the plans? Have you stopped praying before because God wouldn't tell you all the plans? It's a trick. It's the wrong conversation. The enemy comes in there. God won't tell you everything. He's not even telling you. You know, they say pray and you'll receive. They say ask and you'll find. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. You've been knocking. You want to know who that guy is. You want to know who the girl is. You want to know where the job is. You want to know where the cure is. You want to know where the money is. And he gets in there and he makes a lot of sense when we have the wrong conversation with the wrong person. But the Lord says, you come to me daily. Whatever strength you need, I'll give it to you. The Lord provided manna. Give us this day our daily bread. 
They got manna every day, double on the day before the Sabbath, but we get something different every day. It's all under the title of grace, but some days you need more strength. Someday you need more words. Someday you need less words. Someday you need more patience. Someday you need to stand up and say something. The Lord knows what we need in each day. Have you ever heard that saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Have you heard it? No? Yes? Okay, I'm watching who's nodding and who's not. There's definitely, we are all generations, but you have to be some certain generation if you ever heard that. The younger people are like, who eats elephants? Like, that's nasty. If you, the, the point of it, and I'm, I'm going to put myself out on the line, like if I even understand what I'm talking about. The point of it is, if you try to eat an elephant in one bite, it's not working. But you could eat an elephant one bite at a time. How about this? This might make a little more sense. You stand in front of a mountain, let's just say Mount Everest, because you hang out with Ramon and Chad and all these guys that like to work out and go rucking and bother you about your height and weight and your physical ability. And <laughs> I said, did I just say that all out loud? Sorry, I thought I was in confession. Um, if you stood in front of that mountain and you just go, I can't climb that mountain, that's because you're thinking about the whole mountain at one time. No one can take one step and step on top of the mountain. But there's people who climb those mountains. They do it one step at a time. And if I was like this awesome, real thought-provoking pastor, I would have researched a little more about Mount Everest. But what made sense to me was that old claymation stop-motion Christmas video where that old frozen guy in the cave goes, just put one foot in front of the other. Soon you'll be walking across the floor. And it stopped animation motion, and it's going like that, right? And the young people don't know what I'm talking about because y'all have like real cartoons now. And it was just, wasn't it the abominable snowman or something? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Somebody help me. Help me. I need some help from the crowd today. Just put one foot in front of the other. He was a little heavy like me too, so I'm feeling a lot like him. And then, it, then the next line says, and soon you'll be walking out the door. First you're going across the floor, and then you're going out the door. Man, that's deep. If you love your pastor... Please, somebody send me a link to that video on YouTube. I want to watch it today. I want to cry. <laughs> if you look at the mountain, you'll never step up there with one step. But how many of us have gotten 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road? We've gotten through it. You could name that thing you thought you'd never get out of, and now you're out of it. That thing you thought, I can't even walk through this, and now you're halfway through it. Or you don't know how far through, but you're further than you were. Who's here today, and you're somewhere you didn't think you could ever get? How could I ever do that? And the Lord says, daily. In Spanish, they say, un día a la vez, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. It's a song they wrote about a principle that God will give us our daily bread. Jesus said it like this, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble. It will bring it when it gets here. Today's trouble is enough for today. Whatever trouble you have today, anybody got some trouble? Let's just put your hands up. You got some trouble? Put them up. Let's be like, Lord, if you aren't looking, look now. Whatever that trouble is, there's enough grace for it today. He gives more grace, the Bible says in James 4, 6. In Philippians, they're talking about struggling and about being content with little or much. Paul is saying, I can be poor and okay, and I can be rich and okay. I can be without a meal and all right. I can have extra meals and all right. I've learned what it means to be content in all things. And then he says, because in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I love the last part of that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I don't realize it comes out of a life of meaning when I had nothing, I could do it. When I had everything, I can do it because if I have Christ, our worship team sings it. If I have you, then I have everything. But if I don't have you, then I have nothing. And I'm going to tell you, whatever your trouble is today, there's enough grace for it. My grace, God said, is sufficient for you. If you need more patience today, then part of your daily bread will be that patience. Get on your knees in front of God and ask for your daily bread. I want all the patience today so that I can deal with all this. And the Lord goes, no, you get what you need for today. Come see me about it. I have it for you. And you know, I got a sneaking suspicion it's because God likes to see you. He likes to talk to you. He likes you to come into his presence. He likes to look at your cute little face and squeeze your cheek and pop you on the nose and go, that's my boy. If he gave you everything today, he'd see you next year, maybe. If you could survive with all the stuff he gave you and keep yourself alive. Oh, the Lord loves you. He wants you to come see him in prayer. That's where we meet him in the holy place. And daily we come and talk to him. It's not just about receiving what he has. It's about receiving him. We got a long way to go, some of us. We're so stacked up with stuff. To get to God enjoying us is like a whole other topic. But if we'll start with our need and going to God daily, he'll meet us in that need. Give us this day our daily bread. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 men and their families from a sack lunch. And it begins this conversation. People start following him, and they want him to do another miracle and provide more. And their faith is digressing. Instead of wanting to know Jesus, they just want what he's going to give to them. And he says, hey, y'all are only following me because I fed you. And you feel the heart of the Father. I want relationship. I want to know you. I don't want to be the sugar daddy. I don't want to be the grandpa that hands out the money. I don't want to be the ATM. I want to be your brother, Christ would say, your father, God would say. And he stops them that they don't get off track. And he turns the conversation. You're only following me for food. And they go, Moses gave us food in the desert. Read John chapter 6. And Jesus goes, it wasn't Moses. It was God. They had forgotten where their supply had come from. They said, if he gave Moses food in the desert, then why don't you give us food in the desert? And Jesus blows their mind. He says, I am the food. He said it like this, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. What you need to take into you, it's me. And then they start going crazy. They're like, how are we going to eat this guy's flesh? And they're just talking all natural when he's taking it to the spiritual. Give us our daily bread. God, wants you to ask him for all the food that you need, all the money that you need, all the health you need, everything you need. But more than that, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? If we don't have Jesus on the inside, we can have it all and still not know what to say on the day we meet him. And it will all burn and we'll be standing there with nothing. But if we have Jesus on the inside, when it all burns, we have Jesus. And he's the way to get through the door. And Jesus says, I'm the daily bread. I want you to pray. Some of us don't pray and ask God because we're like, how can I be praying for this when what's happening in the Ukraine is happening? 
I can't even ask God for this. And God says, ask me for your daily bread. I care about the Ukraine, but I care about you. Some of us are in a family, and we have a family member that has more trouble than us, and we're like, oh, I can't pray for myself. I need to pray about my family member. Well, yeah, you do need to pray about your family member, but God says, give me, ask me for your daily bread. But he says, don't miss the point that I am the daily bread, that the relationship with me is what matters. Jesus said this, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was quoted Deuteronomy verse 8, where Moses told the people, be careful to obey all the commands the Lord's given you today. That will make you prosper and you'll enter and occupy the land. Remember how the Lord led you out of Egypt? Well, was that seamless? Is that smooth? Remember how the Lord led you out of Egypt for the wilderness 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character, to find out if you would obey him or not obey him? He humbled you by letting you go hungry, and then he fed you with manna, a food you never knew about. He did it to teach you that people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The Lord wraps it up with a bow tie. He gives a man in the desert, and then he sends his son and says, more than the manna, you need me. So we pray this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is heaven. Give us today our daily bread. I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to play through. This is how I fight my battles. We're going to have just a few moments if you want to come and request from the Lord at this altar or the altar at your heart in your chair. If you have some daily bread you need from the Lord, this is the space to ask it. Or you can ask it at your house too and on the way driving home. The Lord wants you to come to him. From the smallest need to the biggest. But what would it prosper us if we had all the money and all the food we ever needed in the world, but we missed who were we created for? In the garden, God said, let us make them in our image. Relationship, conversation. No matter how much you pray today, some of us in the building, we, we don't pray. Or we pray very little. When it's really bad, then we muster up a request to the Lord. That's fine. But I want to ask you this. Would you pray more? If you pray once a week, would you pray twice a week? If you pray once a year, would you pray twice a year? Some of you pray all the time. Would you be willing to say, Lord, teach me to pray differently than I know how now, more than I know how, with more understanding, with greater expectation? We can all grow in our prayer life. The disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And one of the things he wants us to pray for is our daily bread. If you're able, you can stand with us. If you want to stay seated, you can. I'm going to do what we call in church. This is church vocabulary. We're going to open up the altar. What it means is you have the freedom to come down to this place and pray to God, to kneel or to stand or to ask for someone to pray with you. But you also have the freedom to stay in your seat and engage with the Lord how you want to. But I don't want to hear this word that God is inviting me into my daily relationship with him. I don't want to not respond. I want to respond. So let's let this be a time of response. Lord, would you meet us in this place? And we know that you will because you're a father who wants to give. Lord, some of us, we just need a next meal. Some of us, we need a miracle. Our son's in the hospital. 
Some of us need a pat on the back. Some of us need you, need you to take our heart and put it back together because it's broken over loss and grief and mourning. Some of us, Lord, we just need to know you're close. Others of us, we are walking almost blindly. What's coming next? And we need your vision. Lord, we ask you today, give us our daily bread. Would you give us our daily bread? Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.